to go out and be popular and to look like the world and to make a lot of money and go have a bunch of toys and, and, and say and look the part, that's easy. That's easy. But to be poor in spirit, which means to be humble and to know your place before a holy, mighty God that he could wipe you out if he wanted to, 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 be, to mourn and, and mourn of your sin and mourn for the sin of others and to grieve that place so much so that you want to be free from it, to be meek, which means to be slow to speak, to think about your words and the weight that they carry, to be reverent, to have a holy fear before the Lord, to be someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Do you see what I'm saying? See, we can be very passionate people and passionate about the wrong thing. If we are not hungering and thirsting as a deer panting by the water for water, that's the picture of what it looks like to desire Jesus most. If we are not craving him most in our life, it is all in vain. And so what I'm saying to you is that the dream is going to be really hard and the dream is not going to look like the world and the dream is going to be found in the very simple things of life. The dream is going to be doing the laundry when you don't want to. The dream is going to be holding your tongue when you just want to punch your husband in the face. <laughs> the dream is going to be surrendering your life to your children and giving to them when you really just want it to be about you and you just need a minute. I just need a minute. Mommy's in the bathtub. If you come through the door, you will die. <laughs> the dream is that when you have a coworker or a friend or a church member come to you and start to slander someone else or gossip about someone else, you do not engage. Do you see how the dream is not always what we think it is? And it's not what the world tells us it is. It's not money. It's not popularity. It's not religion. The dream is right here in these simple, hard things of being a good wife who honors her husband when he is not lovely. That was a nice word that I just used there. <laughs> a dream is knowing your place. It is knowing your place before God and being humble in that. Do you see? It's just so beautiful to me because I am the first to admit that I get so caught up in all these other dreams to save the world. Oh, I can't tell you how Joseph I was in my 20s. I look at girls in their 20s now, I love them. I love them because I was that girl and I just wanted to change everything and I wanted to save the world and this was my dream and I was gonna do this and then I had babies. 
And suddenly I couldn't laugh or cough without needing another pair of underwear. <laughs> Nobody tells you that. You need to carry some underwear. And you're going to look in the mirror a year after that baby, and you're still going to be six months pregnant. I'm sorry. I just wish somebody told me the truth. You know what I mean? I just wish somebody prepared me. The truth is, you're going to look at your husband on some days, and you're saying, honey, I've just got all these thoughts and these dreams and these visions and these purposes and plans, and I just, I want to tell you about them. We're just going to tell him all these things. Isn't that awesome, honey? What are you thinking about it? And he's going to look at you with a blank stare, and he's going to say, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you're thinking nothing. You have no thoughts in your head. No. Got nothing. Because we're wired so different. He really is in his nothing box. He's just in his nothing. Got nothing. It's true. True. <laughs> the dream is the simple things, the laughter, the friendships. The coffee shop moments where you sit across and you just, your mascara's running because somebody's meeting you in your story and you can't believe that they have your story. And the dream is in the, in the prayers. The dream is in the illness and getting the phone call. And the dream is also in the healing. The dream is in the everyday things, ladies. The things that we take for granted and the things that we feel like we're always trying to be better than or more than. And I, I hate it when I hear a mom say, um, what do you do? I'm just a, a stay-at-home mom. Mm. Just a punch in the gut, man. You are just a stay-at-home mom? No, you are living the dream. You have been given children as hoodlums as they are. <laughs> You have been given the gift of a life to tend and care for, and honey, if that's all you ever do, it is enough. It is enough. I talk to so many women, guys. I just have such a, a great, great gift, and, and I just, one day at a time, don't know how uh, much longer it will last, but right now I get to travel and just meet so many women. And, and I just, I have to encourage you that, that we really all are connected in this place. We really, really as women struggle to be known. We desperately want to be known. It is the thread that weaves us all together. And so I know that it is difficult to see the truth when you are in that desperate desire to be known that there is something more. No, this can't just be it. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe the one thing that you think you're trying to escape, like loving a man who is not a believer. I meet so many women whose husband is not a believer, and they've come to know the Lord, and it is hell in their house. Literally, spiritual warfare all the time. 
And for her, I mean, I've met a woman who has spent 10 years and all she's done is bite her tongue and bite her tongue and live it out and live it out for 10 years and her husband still hasn't come to know the Lord. And she cries on her pillow at night and she begs God to save him. Save my husband. And he is verbally abusive, an evil man. And her dream that she is living is that she stays and she fights. And that is it. And that is enough. And that is the life that God honors. That is the marriage that he honors and he blesses. And that is the kingdom. Do you understand? Let me tell, tell you very briefly how we miss the dream. I've given you a little, a little bit of intro there, but how we miss the dream is that we can be fulfilled with self. We're looking at what we need, what I most desire, what I most want. You know, really, truly, if you look at your life and you say, what do I want? If we're gonna get, I'm a counselor by trade, that's what I do, I'm a licensed counselor, and so my very first question so often to a client is, what do you want? What do you want? Because that's gonna tell me a lot about who you are right now. Well, I, I want my husband to love me. I want to look at porn. I want to have that drink. I want to have that high. I want that paycheck. I want that job. I want her to like me. I want to be invited and included. I want to be somebody. I want to be known. And that really shows me where we are at. And it breaks my heart that so few times I actually have somebody say, I want Jesus. I, that, that's all I want. And whatever comes with that is what comes. But I want Jesus most. I crave him most. He is at the center of my life. He's not at the top. He's not at the bottom. He is at the core, the center, influencing and impacting and determining everything in my life. And so that is really something we've got to look at because this is how we miss it. This is how we miss it. Jeremiah 2.13 says this. Pastor, this is... I hope you think this is really good because I love how God worked this together for us with the water. Jeremiah 2.13 says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. This is, I want you to see the cistern for what it is, that we go and we put something in the place of knowing God and desiring Him most. We make these cisterns, but we don't understand that even in the making of the cistern, we are denying the one thing that can breathe living, satisfying water into us. We, the cistern that we could make and that we could envision, it's broken. It's a vessel for holding water, and God is the water. He's the living water. But the fact that we are even beginning to create something to hold him in in the first place, that we could hold it, that we could somehow in our small human brains hold a God who holds us. And I have come to learn in my life that we cannot be building cisterns and, and believing God at the same time. You cannot be building things to hold the living water at the same time you are believing the dream. 
And so we cannot miss this, guys. I've missed this for so long. I'm 34 years old, but I have lived a, a lot of life. And I've been in the church from day one. And, and I, my family was broken. My father was an alcoholic who was extremely abusive. And so I was determined to build a cistern that was worthy of the Lord. And, and so I, I did that every day. Went to church, was involved, did the thing that I thought the cistern was supposed to look like. I told the Lord that I was going to promise him everything. I was going to be a good girl, a righteous girl, a clean, pure girl. I was going to live a holy life when all my friends were partying and drinking and getting high and having sex. Not this one. I was a good girl. And at 15 years old, I made a promise to him at a True Love Waits conference. And I put on a ring and I signed a contract that said, Lord, I commit my purity to you. And I'm going to stay pure until marriage. And I'm going to hold on to that promise. I was so proud of myself. I was beaming as I wore that ring and so proud of the promise that I had made God to God. And three months after that conference, I was brutally raped by an older man. And for me, I really felt like I had kept my promise, but God has not kept his. That's what it felt like. And so I just thought, forget it. It's not worth it. If he's not a God who can keep his promises and he's going to let stuff like this happen to me when I've been such a good girl, then watch what I'm going to do. And I began to live life for myself. And I chased every high and I chased every thrill. You name it, I've done it. I was a cutter. I had an eating disorder. I was very promiscuous. I did drugs. I partied. I was popular. I played the church game during the day and at night, an absolute heathen. And I built these broken cisterns and I built these broken cisterns. I built these broken cisterns, but you know, they couldn't hold the water. They didn't give me life. They were just a band-aid fix over a wound that was deep and bleeding in my heart. And God needed to satisfy and heal. And before I knew it, I just looked all around me and I had all of this water spilling out everywhere except the one place that I needed it. And when God broke me for that place, and I don't have time to go into so many other things I would do to ruin And to look to other things to satisfy. And when he broke me for that place, and all of my cisterns were broken. And he began to speak life into my heart. And he began to show himself as the author of my life. And he began to show what true living the kingdom and freedom meant. Casey, it is for freedom that I have set you free. There is now no condemnation. And all of these things will disappoint you. All of these things will not fill you. I am the only love that can satisfy and complete and fulfill and set you free to live. And that is where we live the dream when we are fully satisfied in Christ. Fully, completely dependent upon Him. 
Guys, if you'd have told me five years ago that I would be standing in front of you with books and, and getting to tell you these things, it wouldn't even make any sense to me for me to tell my horrific story in a book. Not cool. <laughs> Pretty embarrassing. But to see just my life and that God has used every piece of it for his restoration and redemption and for me to just get one life that I might connect with on such an, e an intimate, deep level as Jesus spoke with his disciples right there. Just to say, this is story and it is, it is, there is sin and there is suffering and there is pain, but there is hope and there is redemption and there is restoration and he does not look away. And much like the woman in John 4 that comes to the well, and I will just end on this, that's just a challenge to where you are, just a time of response for you here. Just like the woman that came to the well, she had all of these cisterns that she'd built. She'd even come to the well that day to draw water. And while she was there, she met a man. She met a man who knew everything about her in a glance. He saw down into her heart, into the gaping, bleeding wounds to so desperately be known. And he did not stand in judgment or condemnation. But he said, child, I have set you free and I am the living water. You will never thirst again. And you know, the coolest part of the story is that she gets up and she runs back to town. The people that know her junk, know her mess, they're gonna be the most judgmental of everyone and she leaves her water jars. The one thing that she came there for was to get water and Jesus knowing her was so much better that she forgot the thing she came for. The cisterns no longer even mattered. And she left and she forgot. And I pray that that is where your heart is today. That through all of this that you see it as a divine opportunity to leave the thing that you came for. Leave it and know him deeply in what is truth. And what he has given you, the freedom to know his grace and his love fully. And that he uses every part and I am living, breathing example that he will use every piece. So as I go before the Lord in prayer with you right now, will you just honestly and openly ask God to just speak to you about that cistern that you have brought in here that's broken and there's, there's water seeping through and there's cracks in it and you, you, you keep putting it back together and you keep putting it back together and maybe for you, uh, that's, that's something like me is that you have this this past and you have this abuse in your past, you have this traumatic experience, you didn't have a father or you didn't have a mother or somebody let you down so deeply and hurt you so deeply in your past that you just don't know how you're gonna let it go. Maybe, maybe like me, you are holding on to bitterness and you're holding on to uh, resentment and this need for vengeance. And maybe today is the day where you understand that you do, you're not gonna get an, get an I'm sorry. But Jesus is enough. 
And maybe like me, you have let people down and you have betrayed people and you have hurt people and you need to be released from the shame and the condemnation and the guilt that you carry. Maybe like me, you've had so much fear and so much worry and so much doubt in your life because of an illness or because of a a betrayal or a broken marriage or a child that's rebelled or just people letting you down in general. And you have so much fear to actually step out and do what it is that God is asking you to do and you are just cratering in fear and worry. And so you've become this very cold and complacent and depressed individual. And maybe it's just that. Maybe you're just complacent and all you do is do the same thing every single day and you don't remember the last time you told somebody about Jesus. You don't remember the last time you actually got outside of your comfort zone and took a risk and went into deep water. Or maybe like me, it is just a daily of claiming the kingdom work in my life in the simple things that are so hard. That it is hard sometimes just to be a mom and just to be a wife and just to do the laundry and to clean up after kids and to go and be a teacher and work at that job and to be a student. And you just need the Lord to speak new life into those things that he honors that, that he blesses that. And it is truly his kingdom work in your life. And to give you a heart for the simple, ordinary things. And so I just pray that right now, that God would show you the living water, that he would refresh in your spirit and your heart and your mind with the living water that only he offers and that much like the woman, we can just leave our jars and that we can go because Jesus is all. Jesus is all to us and why we came is not at all why we are here any longer. We love you, Jesus.